Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, the owner of Townsend Family Law and an experienced family law lawyer practicing in all areas of divorce law in the city of Toronto. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to have as my guest relationship exit strategist and marriage exit strategist, Tanya Carter. And we're going to be chatting about divorcing your story, which I think is a great title. So welcome to the podcast, Tanya. Thank you so much, Leanne, for having me. I really do appreciate it. Well, I'm happy to have you here. And um, why don't we start by having you tell listeners a little bit about your background and the work that you do? Um, Yeah, so I actually started doing this work, I would say maybe around 2017. Uh, This wasn't my initial plan of life, I would say. Um, I, I actually had a coach myself and he asked me, well, why don't you talk and work with women through divorce? And I was like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. I was like, I don't want to feel like I'm promoting people to get a divorce. He said, but you're not. You're helping people move forward and they need that. And so I thought about it. I prayed about it and I've been doing it since. And I love it, actually. I love the transformation. I love people being able to move past a previous chapter. So I've been doing this for you know, since 2017, just kind of based on my own personal story of going through divorce myself, which was back in 2010, realizing how stuck I was in my story for five years, Um, not necessarily wanting the marriage back, but just the limitations that I set on myself and knowing that it was time for me to really, really reinvent and rediscover a new life post this situation. So um, that's what I did. And that's what I've been doing. And I've been loving it ever since. Yeah, you wrote a book um, called Divorce Your Story, A Woman's Guide to Heal and Thrive After Divorce. When did you write your book? I wrote my book back in 2019. Um, a friend of mine, she writes, um, she helps people write, get their books published. And she was like, you should write a book. I was like, nah, I don't want to write no book. But I wrote it anyway. And that was the best thing I did. And it's called Divorce Your Story. The goal was to really get people to not just leave the person, but leave it all um, and really live a thriving and intentional life post-divorce. So, Yeah. So what does it mean to divorce your story? I mean, I, as I say, I love that title, but what does it actually mean? Yeah. So, you know, when we think about divorce, it's always being looked at on a, from a legal perspective, which that perspective is important. But, you know, looking at some of the synonyms of divorce, right, we're talking about separation, disconnecting, disassociating ourselves and dividing. And what I find is that we don't do that mentally and emotionally. We don't do it from a deeper perspective where we don't want to just walk away from the marriage, we also want to walk away from the story that we constantly tell ourselves. So divorcing your story is about, you know, um, rewriting a new narrative. Um, It's about realizing that you are the architect. You are the storyteller now. You get to decide the kind of story you want to stick to. And what I realized in those five years is that I kept replaying the same story over and over again. And you will stick to that story and that script like it's the only story you can live off of. And so my goal is for get, to get people to step into their own personal power and really reframe this experience and use it as a catalyst for growth. Like, what am I going to do with this story now? Now that this story has been written, how am I going to make this next chapter better? So that's the whole concept of divorcing your story. I love that because I find a lot of uh, people that I work with as clients and you know, and even like I'm divorced as well. I think I even went through my own stage of falling into this. Um, I think when particularly for people who were in a marriage where there was some form of abuse, 
they take yeah. on this identity as a victim and, and they are a victim. I'm not trying to in any way minimize um, somebody who has suffered abuse at the hands of a, a, their spouse. It's, it's a terrible thing. But yeah. I find a lot of people get, they, they take on that identity and particularly with respect to narcissism, because that's like the, the trendy word these days that, you know, my ex is a narcissist. And so they're a victim of narcissistic abuse or they're a victim of abuse. And, and again, they may very well be that. But mm-hmm. I find sometimes people, they take on that identity and they never want to let it go. They, 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 they seem like they can't move forward into like a next stage or, you know, a, a healing almost because they're so caught up in that identity. Um, mm-hmm. What, like, what can you say to people who are in that type of situation or what advice do you have for them? I think the biggest thing when I talk about divorcing your story, one of the things I mentioned is about stepping into your personal power. When you've been in dynamics such as abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, verbal, any type of abuse, it can almost be a stronghold and it can almost cause you to feel very powerless. And you are you you feel like you don't have a choice. You say things such as, well, I don't have a choice. You you actually believe that, like you said, you inherited in an identity. Um, the thing about creating a new identity is choosing to believe that you can. And it does start with deciding. I think many people lose the power to decide, knowing that, you know what, I don't have to be an author to this story anymore. You know, I don't have to live off what you told me who I am. I get to define that. And and making that conscious choice and being intentional um, about that choice by doing the the intentional behaviors that's going to allow you to move forward is really where it begins. Um, I realized the mind is very powerful. And as a man thinketh, so is he. And so when someone can really take control of your mind, they unconsciously have control over you. And when you can actually allow yourself to realize that I get to decide that's the biggest power you hold and getting people to know that for themselves is probably one of the most challenging things. But once they walk into that and actually start seeing the results of that, of that choice, then they continue to keep moving forward. And that's important. So knowing that you have the ability to decide regardless of what happened, regardless of what someone told you, no matter how long you even been in it, no matter what the situation looks like today, redesigning is your right. And that's the part that many people overlook and miss. So what are some of the common roadblocks that people you work with that you find that they have in, you know, letting go of their divorce story or letting go of their, you know, previous identity? Um, what, What are some of the common, you know, issues that people have that are preventing them from doing that? Um, One of the biggest things is their belief system and their emotions. Um, And and that's the the biggest thing. One of the things that I teach my clients is really understanding how your belief system works, knowing that once you have a thought, emotions come generate a thought, which also produces a specific behavior that turns into a result. And just knowing that that is the pattern of how you move and how you act and how you function knowing how to reframe that is going to be their their biggest game changer. Um, Knowing that I can deprogram and I can reframe new beliefs. I can feel how I need to feel unapologetically, but knowing that it doesn't, I don't have to always feel this way. So really realizing that just because you feel this way doesn't necessarily mean it's factual. Being able to work through triggers, being able to understand what those triggers come from, 
So allowing themselves to be vulnerable, I find to be some of the biggest challenges because some people don't have the, or maybe never knew that they could be vulnerable in the first place. Um, I would say for me, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. I always been a woman of strength, um, maybe from an unhealthy place of believing that I didn't have time to deal with my emotions. I had other things to do. I had children to take care of. I had a home to provide for. I didn't have time to really think about how I really felt, but that was where it allowed me to, to, to really dive deep and getting an opportunity to pause and say, what's going on in me? What's going on around me? How am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I believing and challenging those things as opposed to thinking that this is how I'm supposed to believe, or this is how I'm supposed to feel. We don't have to feel those that way. Just because you have a temporary feeling, let's not make it a permanent resonance on how we function. So I would say definitely those two things are what I find to be challenging because of the type of women that I typically work with. They're task driven, high achieving women, get things done type of woman. So doing the inner work um, typically is a different kind of work for a lot of people. Definitely. How important is self-forgiveness in all of this? How important it is? Yeah. Oh, it's extremely important. Um, I... I pride myself on helping my clients learning the art of self-forgiveness. Uh, we're taught a lot about forgiving other people, which I believe in that wholeheartedly. But I think we don't get it doesn't get enough conversation about the importance of forgiving yourself, um, maybe for the things that you have done, maybe for the things that maybe really weren't your fault or nothing you had control over, but you're still taking blame for it. Walking into understanding that that is a significant aspect of your healing process. So that way you can move past what it is that you're holding in bondage to. So forgiveness is not something that you earn. It's something that you have or it's given to you just because you exist. And knowing that it's freely given to you doesn't mean to take it casually. It just allows yourself to say, you know what, I don't have to earn it. But what am I going to do to move forward from it? And so really helping my clients understand the importance of making that conscious choice to forgive themselves helps you change the behavior, helps you realize that I don't have to be a prisoner of my past. It helps you divorce the story, I would say. <laughs> that makes sense. And then this kind of ties in with it, but... Um the ability to trust oneself again. A lot of people, when they come out of a, a marriage or a longer relationship, uh, they might have a sense of failure. They might be trusted, like they might not be trusting their own judgment. They, you know, you'll hear a lot of people saying, Oh, I like, I don't understand. I'm attracted to like the worst people. Like what's wrong with me. Um, so how does one, um, you know, cultivate that self-trust again, when they maybe are not feeling like they trust themselves so much? I love that question. And I love the word cultivate because it is a process. Um, there are four things that I tell people they need to honor. Um, the first thing is that you got to honor your values. Period. Um, your values are your foundational compass. That's going to guide you. It's going to lead you in your life based on what you desire. And so when you are consistently honoring your values, um, it helps you build that level of self-trust. I find that this doesn't come as easy for people, especially if it's new for them, because what happens is when we don't, when we haven't always honored our values, then we find ourselves entertaining relationships that may be inauthentic. We may not set our boundaries. We may not be able to have the tough conversations. We, not, we may not even be able to say no or even yes. So being able to honor those values is important because it, uh, it helps you respect yourself. So 
for me, one of my biggest things about my that one of my values is trust. Um, and the first thing it starts with me, but then if someone is doing the opposite of that continuously and I'm allowing it, then there's a misalignment there. And so it's my responsibility to honor my value by having that conversation or finding a way to reposition this relationship. The other thing is honoring your thoughts and feelings. I'm a huge advocate on feeling how you feel because when you do, you get more in tune with yourself. You get more connected with yourself. You get an opportunity to know yourself on a deeper level. You're able to see what's going on in your head and your heart as opposed to sweeping it under rug, acting as if it doesn't exist. So you're giving yourself a level of undivided attention. Another thing is honoring your needs. Your needs need you. I tell people this all the time. Your needs are a personal prerequisite to your own personal happiness. And that's extremely important because a lot of the times when you don't tend to your needs, it turns into a thing called self-neglect, where you will um, fail to look after your own well-being, where you would disrespect your boundaries, where where you would disregard your values, as well as your priorities and overlook and minimize your self-care. And the last thing is honoring your word to yourself which is extremely important. Um, I was raised to always honor my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like that was the the foundation, but, and that's not a bad foundation, but what also gets overlooked is keeping that same promise to myself, right? So what I realized is that I needed to be a good friend to me. So if I said that I'm not going to take this anymore, then I need to stand firm in that. I don't need to say I'm not going to take it, but then take it, right? So this is about now, keeping your own promises to yourself because when you start to go against what you say you're going to do for you, it alters your belief of you. It causes you to make yourself promises less of a priority and you also lose a level of credibility with yourself because you got to think about it. If someone tells you they're going to do something and they don't do it and they keep being that way, you feel that you feel like, man, I don't trust them anymore. So you all, you got to kind of, you got to do that same thing with you. You you got to honor your word. So those are my top four in regards to cultivating self-trust. It's, it's a journey, it's a process, but once you continuously do it, then that's, you, you, you develop a deep belief knowing that, you know what, I trust myself now because I'm honoring what matters to me. So if someone is out there and they're, they're struggling with these things, um, <laughs> Where do they start? Like, are do they start with certain affirmations? Are there certain practices? Are there things in your book that you outline? Or, you know, does somebody in this type of situation, are they best off to work with a coach like or, a, you know, a relationship exit strategist like yourself? Like what if someone's listening to this and they feel like you're describing exactly what they're going through and they just mm-hmm. don't even know where to start? What yeah. should they do? It depends. To be honest with you, it's a couple of different routes. Um, Some people can do some things on their own. Um, Some people have that level of um, resiliency, I would say. It's not that other people don't. Some people, it just depends on where you are, where you need a level of help. I am an advocate on investing in yourself that helps you realize that you are your priority. Maybe you do need a coach. Maybe you do need a therapist in this in this season. Maybe reading a book by yourself may not necessarily work. Now, my book gives 20 different solutions, um, but I find that sometimes depending on where people are, they may need that support that, they, that, that they're just unable to do on their own right now. Um, so there's different things that you can do. I'm an advocate on getting a coach. Um, I'm, I pride myself on investing in yourself now, but if you don't have the financial funds, then do things like listen to podcasts, like anybody who specializes in this area, listen to them, read, read a book, right? 
attend the free things that people do have, get what you can based on where you are. And if you have the financial funds to invest in something in some in a coach, then by all means, please do that. Um, so there are different there's different ways that you can do this, but I think it all boils down to making a choice to know that you have a right to figure out what that means for you. That's what I would say in in regards to that. Can you share a success story from about someone who is a client or a previous client who came to work with you and where they were at and where you were able to get them to go? Absolutely. Um, I got a lot of clients. I'm going to be honest with you. If they ever listen to this podcast, I want every single one of my clients to know that I love them because I think they all have great transformations. I really do. One lady that definitely comes to my mind um, was a client who I had on my podcast named Wendy. She was amazing. Um, She was 52 years old at the time when we were working together back in 2021. And when she hired me to work with her, her situation was unfolding. Um, she actually had to move out of her home, um, sell her home and she had to move into her sister's house. So she was in this one room, her and her kids, um, picking up the pieces from her 28 year marriage. Okay. So a lot of maybe verbal, emotional abuse, um, left her there to kind of figure it out. He, he actually moved out. He was out of the country. Um, she was in a lot of debt. I want to say about maybe $30,000 worth of debt. Um, she ended up working two jobs to pay down, down the debt. So I was kind of in the thick of what she was going through, right? Um, When you have somebody who's high conflict, knowing how to navigate those responses are a game changer because the goal here is for my clients to know what they have control over because you can't control your ex and what they do or don't do. That's beyond your control. But what what you can do is build up your EQ and your mental resilience to know how to navigate these different conversations. So we could be on a call and he could text her something you know, very rude and disrespectful. So helping her to know how to respond to that was more in her control and more in her power. Um, one of the things I can, I'm glad to see that she did was that, you know, now she she paid off her debt. She moved into a home. Um, she has a job with higher pay. Her and her children are developing a more stronger relationship. She's dating now. And she's in a relationship. Um, she, she said all this on my podcast. And so it was really great to know that what happens when you divorce your story? What happens when you take control? And knowing that she was 52 and she decided to do that really warmed my heart because I can't tell you so many people write themselves off around that age, not realizing they have decades of life left in them. So seeing that she didn't let that, and I'm sure she had moments and days where that mentality tried to take over. However, divorcing your story is realizing you don't have to entertain that narrative and knowing that you have the power to recreate a new one. And so seeing that, really warms my heart. Like it made me very happy. I love to see the transformation. So very, very proud of her. Yeah. I, I love that. It sounds, she, this particular person sounds very inspiring and it's always nice very. to see people transform their life. It, it really is. It is. Um, and now you have a 12 week program that you run. Uh, can you tell listeners a little bit about your 12 week program? Yes, I do a 12-week program called Thrive. Um, I, I run it a few times a year. This is actually more of an accelerated program. Didn't realize it was at the time until my clients told me. <laughs> it was like, Coach Diane, this is a lot of work. And it is. It is a lot of work, but that's what you got to do the work. And so um, I created this program back in 2017. It's now called Thrive, which stands for Transforming Through Healing and rebuilding intentionally with vision to evolve. And so every week we go through different topics, whether it's forgiveness, emotional intelligence, finances, you know, writing out your relationship story, going back down memory lane. So some 
a lot of stuff we do go back when you were a child. Um, learning the unconscious beliefs that we've been taught, um, understanding what your gifts and talents are. All these things are really important to really rebuild your next chapter and have a life going forward. And so there is a lot of work, but it is, it's necessary. You know, um, my clients pay me to help them and that's what I'm here to do. So um, whatever it takes to, to, to get people to think and to dive deep. I mean, truthfully, it's more deeper than divorce. It's more about the relationship you've cultivated with yourself that you don't even know about. Um, and one thing I don't do is discount people's experiences. Um, I never do that because I've heard some very awful experiences and I'm sure you may have two in your line of work. Um, however, when someone tells me they want to move on, my job is to help them do that. And so that's what the 12 week program is about. It is a group coaching program. It's very intimate. Um, maybe no less than no more than 10 people, maybe less. And the reason is, is because they're sharing. They feel I want it to be a safe space. That's my ultimate goal above all else. Once it's safe, you feel like you can you you can come in and be vulnerable without that. The work won't get done because it's not like you go to college and do these little essays. And no, it's not that type of work. Everything comes from within. So you, you have to be in the right environment to be able to do that before, because I find that quite a few people don't feel may not feel as safe being as vulnerable. And that is my number one goal for me is to have my clients have a safe space where they can share, um, you know, things that they may not feel comfortable sharing it to other people. How important are supportive relationships uh, for someone who's trying to divorce their story? It's very important. Um, you need supportive people. You need people who aren't going to judge you. Um, you. You don't need someone who's going to, you know, maybe make you feel worse. You need someone who's just going to be a support. And sometimes that support might look different from it being family or friends. It just depends. I don't think your family and friends are always the best support. They may mean well, they just may not always be the best support. Um, you're going through a life transition. Divorce is a major interruption. It is a life altering experience. It's the second top stressor in the world. And what I find is that that's an experience that may not get the same type of empathy as a death. And so sometimes you're left to figure it out. And you, you you just need somebody, maybe even if you don't understand, but they're just there to support in any way they can. And I think that is huge to a person's journey of moving forward. Yeah. And, and moving forward is so important, but reflection and um, processing feelings and all that sort of thing is also important. So how can somebody strike a balance between, you know, moving on, but not mm -hmm. neglecting the part of them that still needs to reflect and, and process feelings? I would say expanding, expanding their perspective. So one of the things that I challenge my clients to do is challenge what they're telling themselves. Because what you're telling yourself may not always be as accurate. So if you always look at your past as a permanent destination, then you will never allow yourself to embrace the present and also redesign your, your life for a better future. So knowing that my past is a learning experience rather than a loss is a different perspective. And so when you see that as a learning tool for you to grow, then it helps you not remain stuck in it. You know, if I can be honest, I've been on this journey of growth for over eight years. 
And I still find myself looking back um, at different things of my life. And it's not even, I don't even feel bad. I actually feel obsessed with improvement now. Cause I'm like, you know what? This is now connecting the dots. Now this makes sense. And so being able to expand your perspective allows you to see things um, differently. You don't see it from that narrow lens that, that maybe you had before. So being able to understand, you know what, I can change my perspective about this. This is a lesson now rather than a loss. This is a part of my book, not my entire story. And when you look at it in that manner, then you don't remain, you don't remain stuck in. If anything, you, you, you look at it as a catalyst for growth and change. Now, as we wrap up here, um, what uh, empowering message or advice would you like to leave listeners with uh, as they embark on their journey of divorcing their story? Wow, it's so much I can say. Um, I think if anything, my biggest thing is that just don't let divorce define you. Divorce is not your identity. Um, I actually just did a recent podcast episode on overcoming failure. Um, I associated myself with failure a lot because I thought that everything that I was supposed to touch was supposed to work. And when we think about marriage, no one gets married to get a divorce. I don't know anybody who says, you know what, this is why I'm getting married. <laughs> I'm getting married to get a divorce. Like nobody does that. The goal is for people to stay, remain together, build a life together um, to death, do them part. But we, we all know that there are going to be some marriages that may not just make it to that. And knowing that you gave your all, knowing that you did what you could with the best um, based on what you had, know that that was enough and, and realize that you're not a failure. It just didn't work out. It just didn't work out the way you intended to be. However, what can work? How can we change the plan? And knowing that you have the capability to do so, I want you to step into that part now. Um, I, I don't want you to dwell in failure just because you feel like a failure doesn't mean you are. And I just want to make sure that people learn the difference between how you feel and not make that be a permanent resonance on how you function. So just know that it doesn't define you know that you can really rewrite a different story and it can be better than the life you once had. Um, and so that would be that would probably be my message. Just don't let it be your failure. Don't let it be. Don't make that be your foundation. Don't make failure be your foundation because of divorce. You didn't fail your kids. You didn't, you know, you know, for some people who are in, in the faith realm, maybe you feel like, you know, this goes against your faith. Maybe you feel like you let other people down. However, you know, the best thing you can do to get past failure is actually move forward. Yeah, I love that. If listeners uh, out there would like to work with you or learn more about you, how can they find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is I am Tanya Carter. My website is Tanya Carter. YouTube is Tanya Carter. Facebook is Tanya Carter. So I'm all things Tanya Carter. <laughs> I'm all things Tanya Carter. And you can also look me up on my podcast as well. It's called Purposely Thriving Podcast. You can check me out there. I'm all I'm on all podcast platforms. Yeah. So you can check me out there. So I'm everywhere. And to purchase your book, can they purchase that on your website or is mm -hmm. it on Amazon? Where can they find your book? Yes, they can go to tanyacarter.com and get it from there. My direct link is divorceyourstorybook.com. And you can also find it on Amazon as well. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing your insights with listeners. Thank you so much, Leanne. I appreciate it. And thank you to my listeners. Please like, subscribe, and join me here again next week on another episode of Divorcing Well. Mm -hmm.
Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits Mm -hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to you have to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.